Welcome to Living the Writing Life podcast. My guest today is the award-winning author Wade Rouse, who also writes under the pen name of Viola Shipman. Wade chose his grandmother's name, Viola Shipman, to honor the woman whose heirlooms and family stories inspire his writing. And he's written several books under that pseudonym, including The Summer Cottage, The Heirloom Garden, and his most recent, The Clover Girls, which was released May 2021. His next book, The Secret of Snow, will be published in October. Wade's books have been translated into 20 languages and are international bestsellers. He's also written for numerous publications, including People, Coastal Living, Good Housekeeping, and Taste of Home, and is a contributor to All Things Considered. In today's conversation, we'll discuss the challenges of writing women's fiction as a male author. So welcome to the show, Wade. Thanks for having me. I am, I am really looking forward to this because your story just really intrigues me. So let's get right into it. You know, you, you've established a reputation as a noted humorist of four critically acclaimed memoirs, and you've written four diverse publications and media. So why did you not only switch genres to writing fiction, but also, in a sense, switch sexes as well to write women's fiction under a woman's name? Yeah, you know, it sounds, I always say it sounds like a literary Victor Victoria, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> but, you know, for me, this was a very personal um, rather than professional reason that I did this. You know, she mentioned I started writing um, humorous memoir because growing up, um, I grew up in the Missouri Ozarks in the 70s and 80s, and I adored Irma Bombeck. Um, she was a huge influence in me because she wrote about family and, you know, things that I understood. And I saw the way the women in my life reacted to her. Um, but there came a point after writing four memoirs um, where I experienced some deeply personal loss. I lost my mother in 2009. And as you know, as um, happens with many men of that era, my father did not do well. So I was moving him into a smaller home and I came across all of my grandmother's heirlooms um, packed away in the attic. You know, all their charm bracelets and hope chests, uh, quilts and recipe boxes. And my grandparents were working poor. Um, my grandma Shipman, my pen name was a seamstress. Um, she stitched overalls at a factory her whole life until she couldn't stand straight. Um, my grandpa Shipman was an ore miner. He raked rocks on farmers' fields when that when that you know work dried up. They did anything and everything um, for their family to have a better life. And her sacrifices um, truly made me who I am. So when I found her heirlooms, I realized that um, you know these these pieces told the stories of my grandparents' lives, and I felt like so many of our lives. And I realized that my grandma was never poor. She was the richest woman that I'd ever known because as we've understood the last two years, she got what life was all about. You know, our health, having each other, our family, our friends, you know, just the sun coming up and sun going down. So um, I kind of did a big switch at that point. And, you know, the first words I wrote were the the charm bracelet, my first novel by Viola Shipman. And I fought very hard because my grandma was the least egocentric woman in the world. Um, you know, her only sign of um, ego was venting her pie crust with an S. And I feel like in 50 years, if someone walks into a library and picks up a book with my grandmother's name on it and says it out loud, 
and reconnects to their own family in some way, then um, it will all have been worth it. It's, it sounds, you know, it, it makes sense now when you explain it, you know, in, in terms of, so this wasn't like a gimmick or something that this was truly a very personal decision to honor her. And by extension, a lot of the women in that era who, who had no identity to speak of, but yet were such strong people. That's, ex that's exactly it. You know, I never, from day one, I, when I told my publisher and my editor and my agent, I never wanted to dupe any reader in, um, with a pen name. I, as you just mentioned, I did it for a deeply personal reason. And um, I wanted that clear from the beginning. And, you know, you've just, you hit it on the head. You know, every book that I write, I want populated with characters um, that are much like my mom and my grandma, you know, good, kind, hardworking women who get knocked down by life and soldier on with as much strength um, and character as they can. And I felt that was missing in the literature I was reading. And, you know, I grew up maybe like you did. And in college, when I was given my syllabus by the male professors, it was populated by all men writing about war and male characters. And that was something that really never spoke to me. But um, I do know how hard women authors over history have had it in, you know, sometimes having to choose a male name just to get their work read and taken seriously. So I never, ever wanted to tread on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that, makes, that makes total sense. You know, I'm, I'm kind of curious, did you get any kind of response, positive or negative, from other male authors who don't write women's fiction? Did they tell you, are you nuts, you know, or gee, that's great. I mean, you know, what did they say? I have to say less from male authors. And I will say that um, women authors have, you know, my whole life has been surrounded by women, my grandmothers and my mom and all of my best friends and um, authors, especially female authors have taken me in their arms and really championed my work because I think the backstory has resonated deeply and really over the course of the last few years lifted me on their shoulders um, and I think understand exactly why I, I did it. I do have to say from the very beginning, my literary agent said, if you're writing fiction for women, using your grandmother's name as a pen name and writing often as I do, um, multi-generational stories, you better get it right. And that's, she kept sending me back to the woodshed over and over. And you know, my first, my first novel took me three plus years to write because she refused to let, and I refused to let it go until we felt we got it right. Um, so that was, a, that you know, she really, she really held my feet to the fire for a long time. Well, you know, I'm glad you I'm glad you shared that because that makes me wonder, um, especially if there are other male authors who want to write women's fiction, use a, a female pseudonym. What were some of the some of the things you had to work on in your own writing that she was saying initially you weren't getting right? No, oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, there are there are. There are some authors, male authors out there that write, you know, largely um, more kind of female oriented stories like Nicholas Sparks, Wally Lamb is very famous for that as well. Um, for me, 
personally, um, having written memoir, the transition for me was in nonfiction, I knew everybody that I was writing about. I was front and center, my family was front and center, um, those I loved were front and center. So I knew them intimately. I knew their quirks and habits and you know, phrases of speech. Um, writing a novel is very different. You know, I really structurally, I had to approach it very differently than I did when I write memoir. Um, the same thing in approaching characters. I also found that um, the voice that I had as a memoirist was, I kind of was holding pieces of that in writing fiction and that was not working at all. Um, so I kind of had to release who I was in many ways um, to channel these characters um, as deeply as I did myself when I wrote nonfiction. And, you know, there are, um, ways that um, I think um, my grandmothers and mothers spoke, um, that they related to each other, that I had to get just right, especially the, you know, the unspoken, what I call the ghosts on our shoulders moments, the, you know, the introspection had to be pitch perfect. Um, so that took me really a long while to, to get it right. And my agent always said, you know, writing fiction's like a you know, wrestling a bear to the ground, you're going to get scratched up along the way. But once you do it, you'll know how to do it again. <laughs> well, I like that analogy. Yeah, yeah, writing can hurt sometimes. Uh. <laughs> and not that she's wrestled many bears to the ground that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so let me ask you this, because you, you, you did bring up the fact that a lot of male authors write about war and all that gritty side of life as they like to, to, um, to say it, if you were going to define women's fiction, now that you are in that space, how do you define it? Well, I hate the definition of women's fiction. Um, I feel it's a little misogynist. You know, men writing fiction um, is called fiction or literature. Women writing fiction has been pigeonholed as women's fiction or chiclet, which I find very offensive. Um, they're the same stories, um, just with female-driven um, narratives and characters. So I, I, I've never loved that term, and I don't think it's right. You know, when I wrote my first memoir, um, it was about me growing up gay in the Missouri Ozarks um, in the 70s, not an easy time period in rural America. And my first memoir, which was published by Dutton, was classified as gender studies. So instead of a memoir. Um, so I feel like, you know, society um, sometimes is often pigeonholed too many of us in the wrong way. So um, I love Jen Weiner because she fights against these stereotypes um, constantly and with great ferocity and intelligence. So I'm hoping in the future that one day all of these labels will be gone and it will just be classified what it is, which is just fiction for everyone. Yes. You know, and, and you're absolutely right, because, um, you know, I don't think we realize it because it has been pervasive for so long. But like you said, if men's fiction is fiction, women's fiction is, you know, if a woman writes it, then it's okay, now that's under women's fiction, and then all those little subcategories. And it's not a compliment. It is, it is a less than attitude, I think, you know, because it's, it, it's sort of like um, 
fiction light, you know, well, it's, it's not going to be as deep or it's going to be all that personal. And it's, and, and the stupid thing is men have all those same feelings, you know, men have relationships, men go through the same thing to a large extent that women do just from a different perspective. So, you know, I'm with you. I, I wish they would, you know, not, not that either one of us is going to have any control over that, but I, I do wish they would, you know, just, it's either fiction or nonfiction. If you want to classify it as war fiction or um, seafaring fiction, fine under that kind of classification, but the whole gender classification, I, I think does a disservice, not only to the women writers, but to male authors like yourself, who want to write more um, relationship-driven, people-driven, emotional-driven books, and don't want to do it under their real name because you know it's not going to sell as well, it's not going to be as popular, it's going to be less than. You're exactly right. You know, it's it's it's. I often get very emotional about this because, as you stated, you know, women like my grandmother's. Um, in that era, she had very little voice. Um, and I feel sometimes, and sadly, as if not that much has changed and it's still a constant push and a struggle. So, you know, I, I hope, I agree with you. I hope at some point in the future, all of these labels just go away and we look at fiction as, as fiction without any category or, and you, and you're 100% right, it makes things less than, and that is, it's not okay. Right, exactly. You know, um, you were saying how you had to approach fiction writing different from uh, writing your memoirs, okay, in terms of technical areas. But I'm curious, was, did you see after you've, as you've, you know, obviously you've written now several books, do you see a connection in themes or topics with the novels that you're writing now and the memoirs that you did? Are you like revisiting some of the same experiences, but just from a different perspective and, and with other characters? I am, you know, I, I foundationally, I think my nonfiction and fiction are very much the same. They're rooted in family. They're rooted in how I was raised. Um, they're rooted in the people who raised me. So there is not that much of a difference narratively between the two. And it's what, you know, I always say, and you know this, when you, any writer, when you approach a book, anybody, when you paint or um, do anything creative, it has to call to you deeply there has to be a reason that you are going to jump into this story and put all of your heart and effort into it. You're not going to spend a year or two and something and make it successful and meaningful if it doesn't deeply call to your soul. So that's what um, has always, you know, I grew up with my grandmothers. I spent my entire life was in their kitchens and their sewing rooms and every Saturday at the beauty salon, watching them get their hair done and, and share stories that they didn't share with their husbands or when the men folk were around. Um, all of my best friends are still to this day women. Um, 
and their stories have always spoken to me. And for me to be able to give um, some voice either in fiction or nonfiction um, to the roots of my life, um, and I hope in some way connect people back to their own, to ask questions, um, to, you know, I always believe that we don't know where we're going if we don't know where we came from. And that's always a guiding principle in my writing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting, the very different, you know, humor, <laughs> memoir, and the fiction that I write, um, very different, but still the baseline is the same. Yes, yes. And that, you know, that that's true about not knowing where we're going, unless we know where we came from that, that is absolutely true. Because, especially as writers, whether, whether we're even aware of it or not, that no matter what story we're writing, there is still some part of us that is in there, whether it's, whether it's the primary character, the secondary little walk on part, you know, but, but the underlying, you know, if, if, if it is, if it is done well, there's always some part of us that is in that story, you know, and the people who know us can say, oh, I, I know where you got that idea for that scene or, or boy, that line that that character said, you know, I've heard that in your family. I've heard your mother say that, yeah. or I've heard you say, yeah. So it's, you know, it, it is, it's always a, a piece of us somewhere in there. It is. Or oftentimes I'm, I'm rarely invited to dinner parties anymore because I'm always taking notes, knowing somebody's going to say something or something's going to make something pop in my head. So it's, it's rare. I always get people a drink or two and I'm like, start talking. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's like that t-shirt, you know, be careful or you'll end up in my novel, you know? <laughs> exactly right. It's true. But it's, um, but it's funny. Um, do you think that writing quote unquote women's fiction gives you more freedom to explore certain topics or whether it's the topic itself or the, or the way that you approach it as opposed to if you are writing under a traditional what's considered male fiction? I, you know, that's a great question. I, I do, I would say this, um, the one thing that I did not expect was that I do believe using my grandmother's name as my pen name and the backstory associated with it has really reached, I think, readers that I might not have reached initially. Um, I think it opened up a lot of avenues. I think um, it spoke to many readers' hearts. Um, so, and in doing so, as you know, the more books you write, um, I hope we get better. I think I am. Um, but I also try to dig even deeper with every single book that I write. And you begin to explore, um, you know, my upcoming novels really explore much more of my um, experiences that my grandmother and my mother went through. My mother was a nurse and a hospice nurse uh, and the stories that she had and the life that she lived and um, her fact that she didn't want any of us to live with regret and people who were forgotten, um, she would always come back when they were at the end of their lives and tell me their stories because she wanted, she wanted at least one person in rural America to know that these people mattered and existed. And I was often the carrier of those stories. Um, so I do, I feel like the further along Viola goes, the more deeply I can explore even more personal issues. Um, 
that matter to me and I do think to readers uh, as well. You know, any book that I write always has questions that I want to answer, not only personally, but I think that you and others are also asking too. And, and that's why we, that's why we explore the, the topics that we do. Mm-hmm. That, that's true. That, that is absolutely true. And, and we do get, especially in your case, you know, more comfortable with that author persona. So it's like, let, let's go, a little, let's push our, you know, and, and as writers, shouldn't we always be doing that anyways, push ourselves a little bit more, be a little, almost a little uncomfortable, move, move, move into the deep water a little bit more without drowning, but yeah. 100%. I always, now I believe that if you're, if I'm not scared, I'm not at the right place. I always have to be as you always say, treading in the deep water without going under. Um, and then I do feel that we, we all do our best work because that's a, that's, that's a good place to be because we're pushing ourselves. Comfortability mm-hmm. is not where we should be as, as writers. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we've talked about the creative slash technical part of writing. Let's go into the part that few writers like, which is the marketing part. I mean, of, of all the authors <laughs> I've interviewed, I have yet to have one on the show who says, wow, I can't wait to do the marketing. It's not that they don't want to meet their readers. Oh, they absolutely want to do that. It's all that back stuff we have to do, all that time-consuming, soul-sucking work that we have to do <laughs> that takes us away from either writing or interacting with our readers. Now, you know, marketing itself is tough enough. And when you throw into the fact that now you're writing under a pseudonym, how did you pull that off? I mean, you know, do the people, if if you're showing up somewhere, they they must know that there's going to be a guy standing there, even though the book says Viola Shipman. How did, did you find that a little trickier than you anticipated? In the beginning, you know, I, some of the very first events I did um, for my first novel, I showed up, like for instance, I showed up at Roman's bookstore in Pasadena and a, a large group was there and two front rows were filled with women. And, you know, they went up to introduce me, even though they were saying Wade Rouse, I got up to stand and, you know, a lot of the people were like, why is he going up there? That's a man, what is happening? Where's Viola? So I would say the first number of events kind of on the first tour it was, um, and then we, you know, I speak as I do from the heart and tell them why. And I, I think even that more deeply connects me to them. Um, you know, I had some really great publicity in the beginning with the first books. Um, there's a wonderful article in Writer's Digest and Publishers Weekly about why I chose a pen name um, and kind of the reasons, you know, the backstory of my grandmother so I think, you know, the news got out. So that helped me a great deal. But, you know, I call publishing BART. It's business meets art. But you always have to remember, you got to write the best book you can. The, the business, it is a business. You know, it's not, a, I tell, I teach writing workshops. It's not a craft fair. You've got to be in it to win it. You have to do everything you can to build your platform. You have to spend money to market. You have to put yourself out there. It's meeting readers, but it's also developing your brand and connecting with them and doing it. And you're right, it is tireless and soul sucking and, and it's necessary. You have to do it and you have to be prepared to do it. I'm one of those freaks. I'm a former 
PR person, a former journalist and PR person. So I think I'm used to being talking a lot. And I, I, I think I like it more than others. Um, you know, I try to help a lot with my own PR and marketing campaigns. Um, I have a lot of connections. I always try to personally pitch every single thing that I do. Um, but it's not ending, you know, you can write from 6am to noon. But you know, after you have lunch, and if I work out, then the last seven hours is everything else. And that's what allows you to write book two and book three and book eight. And it, that doesn't change from any author, um, you know, Stephen King <laughs> to, to us, it's, it's, it's a piece part and parcel of what we have to do today. Yeah, and now you now you're right, and and you know I I find a, a lot of new authors, or they're in the process of writing the book. They have this idea that well, when the book's out, I don't have to do anything. I'll just work on the next one. It's like no, it doesn't matter that you wrote a book or if you built a mousetrap, you got to do the business side. I mean it. You know, it's a product. It's a product, and the field is crowded with products that look like books. You have to. You know, I, we always say that you, you know, you have a store, but you got to let people know that it's open and they got to come and buy something at that store. You got to sell widgets to keep going. You know, it's, you know, I, I was the same way when I first started, you know, my agent was prepping me and, and so was my publisher, but I kind of expected it, you know, I thought it'd be like Carrie on Sex in the City and a limo would show up and, you know, when I would be, there would be thousands of people waiting at my first book signing. And, you know, one of my initial book signings, I had three people um, and they handed me the microphone to introduce myself at a Barnes and Noble. And I walked around the store and I went back to talk and two of the people, one woman was with their son and she thought I was going to do Thomas the train. And when I didn't, she left. So it was me and a woman. And I got off the stage and pulled up a chair next to her. And I talked to her and read to her and we chatted for an hour and I visited that store. I tell people this over and over two years later and she brought 15 people with her um, because she remembered and that's what it comes down to. It's still one reader making connection but that reverberation will always continue. Mm -hmm. No, you're, you're right. That, that is such a funny story. And I've, I've had similar ones like that too. And, and I know when, when I first started out, you know, like you with my first book, it was like, Who's, who is she, right? You know, and this was way back in 2004 when you didn't even have the social media, all those other options. I mean, everything was in-person, physical. You show up and I was, you know, this, this chicken little author from no place, right? And, you know, it, it's really funny. And, and like you, I came from writing newspaper stories, magazine stories. I was very used to interviewing people. I was not used to being on the other side, so to speak, right? So that that was a, a big adjustment. But I know now, like when I do workshops, and, and people are, you know, they're like, Oh, I'm afraid to do the in person stuff. I'm afraid of doing the books. And I said, never think about how many books you, you're going to sell. Don't you know, wipe that out of your head. This isn't about selling a book. This is about having a conversation. Yeah. And if you're doing, you know, the formal book signing or you're at one of those multi-author events where you're just standing behind the table, your goal in the end should not be getting them to buy the book. The goal should be having a good interaction. 
talking to them. If they stop by your table and the book that you wrote isn't the kind of book they want to read, you might say, well, then what kind of book do you like to read? Oh, you know, two tables down, there's an author who writes that, you know, I mean, just be, be friendly, be personal, be, you know, be a human talking to another human. And you're right, you do not know where that will lead. Yeah, that's, be that's exact, that's beautifully stated. And, you know, I, how many, you're probably like me, how many, I, in the beginning of my career, starting in 2006, I visited on my own hundreds of independent booksellers, um, sometimes very, you know, very small crowds, but all of those people became my friends. All of those people have small businesses like we do. All of those people are um, in this business because they love books and they want to connect with people. Um, so that's, you know, that, that never changes. That's the core foundation for everything. Um, so that's, you're exactly right to, to reiterate that over and over. And, you know, those relationships never fade. They continue forever. Exactly. So I'm, you know, I, I am curious, are you ever tempted to write a novel under your real name? Yes, and I'm working on one. So <laughs> you must you must have microchipped me at some point. <laughs> yes, I I have one that is not what I would consider a Viola novel. Um, and it's you know it's I think it's still um, you know I think geared toward women, but it's I think much funnier, which kind of skews toward my memoir writing, um, and very current and a little more satirical. So I'm really excited about it. So yeah, I've prepped my agent and I've been working on it in kind of the in-between moment. So that, and I have another memoir that's coming out next June from HarperCollins. So my first in a decade, so I'm excited. Wonderful, wonderful. So one question I always like to close with, with everybody that I interview is how do you define success as a writer? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. Um, for me, I would say I wake up every single day and am beyond excited to jump out of bed and get to work. I dreamed my whole life of being a writer. Um, I felt, you know, as a kid growing up in the Ozarks, that there was a golden key that was passed around in, in Manhattan um, that only a select few people got. And that's how their books you know, came to be. And I would never be a part of that group. Um, but success to me is the ability to wake up, be excited um, and feel so insanely blessed to do what I do um, over and over again. And I have an incredible incredible appreciation for that. And I never take it for granted. Um, every day um, I approach, you know, with perseverance and diligence and I, I hope a modicum of talent. And to me, that's, that is success to me as an author is continuing to write books for readers um, that want to read them. Um, I never thought it would happen and it's happening. Um, so I try never to take that for granted. And Every day is, you know, just a, a beautiful adventure, no matter how tough it is. Well, I think that is so well said. And, you know, I, I, of all the authors that I've asked that question to, none of them have said to sell a million books, 
to get a million awards, to, you know, to be the top. It's always a very deeply personal reason and, and definition because, you know, yes, there's a lot of writers out there, but each writer can only write the story they are supposed to be writing, you know, so, um, and, and it is, it, it's, you know, sometimes you look at it and you're like, wow, wow, this is, this is just a great way to spend a life is bringing to life people, whether they're people, fictional people, or whether we're, we're bringing back people who have passed on, but it is, it is honoring, honoring the people and honoring their stories. That's exactly right. Yeah. My grandma Shipman used to always say life's as short as one blank of God's eye and you better make that blank count. Um, so, you know, that's what I try to remember every single day. And you're right. You know, we, we, all of us, the beauty of meeting authors like you is that, um, you know, our stories are touching people and, you know, we, we all have this just such a unique voice that we um, bring to truth every single day. And that just, it always is so inspirational to me. Well, I really appreciate having you on the show, sharing your information, giving us a little advance notice of, of the two other books that are not Viola Shipman ones. So I will definitely be keeping my eye out for those. But thanks so much for taking the time and, and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.